hey, and it is Valentine's Day. We're in a section of John where he's moving us towards thinking about our relationship with each other and the love that, that we naturally have for each other. So we've got a video that kind of walks us into that that we're going to go ahead and show. So we'll get the lights and we'll do that. What if we could love the way Jesus did? Passionately, faithfully, powerfully. What if the way we love could make a difference in the world around us? What if that love looked at everyone the way God does? A love which doesn't see the past, but is consumed by a desire to see people come to know Jesus. Love which is patient and kind, not envious or prideful. A love which puts others before ourselves, chooses peace over anger. A love which protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres. Do we love like this? Do we love like Jesus? Maybe it's time to ask a simple question. How can we love better? I was thinking, as you're going through this, as we're going through this series in 1 John, just how John is writing out of this encounter that he had with Jesus Christ and this love that he never thought he would experience even as he looked at who God was coming out of his training and his background, a love that he would not have associated with God. You know, he knew law and he'd lived under law. But John's the one that says, you know, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came from Jesus. John's the one that would write, you know, we're so familiar to these words. Like imagine the first time John's writing this and he says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, who John knew. And he had seen that. He gave his only son so that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. John would be more familiar with what the next verse said. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might live. That's this thing that's gotten a hold of John. And then, you know, you're decades later when he's writing his, his three letters and then on to Revelation. And he's watched this thing evolve, this church thing evolved, and, and how he knew Jesus wanted it to be, and how Jesus kept challenging them, the, the 12 disciples, and then that, that, that early church, how they just knew what it was they were supposed to replicate, and what they were supposed to model, and Jesus kept calling them out at different points for, for not being like that. I think we're talking the first week in this, in this study that John was so transformed by God's grace and by his love. John's the one that, remember, the village wouldn't receive them, and so John said, let's call down fire. Now he's been shaped by God's love, and he knows that that's supposed to shape us. And so at the time that he's writing, that, that's taken on a whole different uh, narrative. He's watching the way people in church relate and call themselves followers of Jesus. He's watching what they say is love, and yet what he's experienced is love, and he just can't, he can't help but call it out. And so all through this book, it's gonna, he's going to keep weaving back to this love relationship that we have with God and, and that he has with us that we're supposed to have with each other. 
And so that's where we are this morning in, in 1 John, we're in chapter 2, just verses 7 through 11. So turn there with me in, in your Bible or, or on your device. I think you're going to see, you get the sense of John that it's changed from what Jesus said it would be or should be, and he just can't allow that to go on. So he says in 1 John 2, 7, Beloved, you know, many of you have watched that Evie Hill video that we show periodically, and, and he starts at that message that he's preaching, and he says, now you know that I love you. And you hear this ripple of laughter across the room that, it, okay, when people tell you how much they love you, they usually have something to say that, that might be a little penetrating. So here's John. Now, beloved, he's going he's gonna to talk to us about love. So he kind of sets the table that, hey, this is who you are in my heart. I'm not, it's not a stick in my hand, which is sometimes how we read the Bible, or like Pastor Ted was saying, sometimes how we come to God. We come and we just imagine he's got that stick, and it's not. John is telling him, I want you to know how much I love you because I want you to know how much God loves you because I want you to love each other that way. That's kind of where he goes in this. Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You get this sense of... John is just looking what's, what's going on. He's hearing from different people who go out. And in 2nd and 3rd John, he'll, he'll say, this is what, we're sending people to this one church, but this man loves to be in the spotlight, so he won't let anybody else go. He's hearing what's going on in the churches. And so you get this letter of trying to call us back to, no, no, this is original intent. This is the heart and reality of Jesus, and this is the heart and the reality of, of following him. And so he talks about, uh, about what, the, what that sense is and for us of what it is keeping it real as followers of Jesus or as a church because the world is watching us. We talk about God's love and we talk about how much he loves us and how the power of his love and how we love each other, but the world is watching to see if that's really happening and to see if that's what they see when they come into a church to visit or when they watch, watch us or label us. So what does John say? He says, love is nothing new. In fact, the first Christian song you learned was about God's love. Hey, let me, let me sing this. I apologize to you on live stream. But let me sing this. As soon as you know the song, sing along with me. Okay? Jesus loves me, this I know. For... I tell you, they're not singing that in Islam or in Hinduism. But we are singing that. You think through that. I've never thought of it as we're singing that. He loves me. I know this because the Bible tells me so. It's not based on anything about me. Uh, little ones to him belong. 
before you can do anything to earn his love, he loves you. All of those things. And then this thing that, yeah, I just keep singing this song. What a great song for our little ones to learn early on as they're formulating this concept of God. So John says, this is nothing new. I mean, God creates this phenomenal, fabulous creation that's, that's perfect for Adam and Eve because he loves them and he wants to have them to have this great place and he creates Eve for Adam so that he can enjoy life with someone like him. He says, you know, this is now flesh of my flesh and, and bone of my bone. This is somebody like me that I can enjoy this with. He didn't create the, a desert for them. You know, his love has been on display from the very beginning. Even when he gives the law, I remember wrestling with, why would God give a law? Once you read the Old Testament thing, do this, don't do this, wear these kind of clothes, don't eat this kind of animal. We can't, I always wonder, why can't you eat trout? Trout is so good, but it doesn't have scales. So in the Old Testament law, you can get, and then one of my teachers said, this is a gift. The law was a, God, a gift from God. If you want to meet with me, I want to tell you how, how you can do that. I mean, the goal was for them to find out they couldn't do that and cry out for mercy. But he said, every other God left people guessing. Some of you have been in relationships like that. You just, you're not really sure how to please this person. You, what you think is going to work doesn't. And what you don't think is going to work, you find out would have. But God, he gave his law. But what was the heart of the law? Jesus said, just love God and love your neighbor. That's, that was the root of it. And then God puts together this, this plan f- to rescue us. And, and the Bible makes sure we know that this plan is, is driven by love. This verse that, that we alluded to in John 3, that God so loved the world, that was his driving force to show us grace and to put that whole thing together because he loved the world. That includes all of us. Said he gave his only son, he gave the best thing he had to give so that whoever... Whoever believed in him would, would, whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. I love these verses in Romans 5. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So make sure you know that it's nothing about you that's earned God's love. Or it's nothing about somebody else that makes God love them more than you. While we were still sinners. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone would dare to even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you had nothing to bring to him, while you were repulsive to a holy God, Christ died for you. He just wants us to know that's his kind of love. That's the love that that put this plan of salvation together. And so John's saying, this is nothing new. And then Jesus appears on the scene and you think of, you move through his whole life and the thing that characterizes his relationship with people is love. When people went away from Jesus, they felt loved. Whether it was the leper that nobody would ever touch, whether it's the woman caught in adultery, whether it's the woman hiding out at the well when nobody else would be there, whether it's the man sitting by the, the, the pool that's been there for 38 years, everyone left feeling loved by Jesus. They just knew that. So what does Jesus say about this? He says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Can you allow that to seep in? That that's how Jesus looks at you? As a friend. You are a potential friend. So I want to do this to bring you in. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And don't get hung up on that. Oh, so this is conditional. No, it's not. He's just showing, this is what I'm doing for you as we journey together you're going to just naturally see yourself 
you know, doing what I want to do. You're going to naturally go in that way. So when John says, this is nothing new, what you've heard from the beginning. So all the commentaries try to figure out what beginning is John talking about. And most of them settle down on the fact that he's writing to people who are followers of Jesus. And probably from the very early days of their believing on Jesus, they have heard that how much God loved them that it kind of goes back to your start, the beginning of your walk with Jesus. And that's probably true because what he says in verse 7, he says that you, had from, that you had from the beginning. The commandment is a word that you have heard. So probably early on in their discipling, as we would call it, or when somebody followed up on their salvation, you heard that God loved you, so it's not a new commandment. It's not a new commandment that you're supposed to love other people the way that you've been loved. So it's, it's not really a new, a new love. But the light makes it a new love. It's not a new commandment, but it kind of is, he says, because this light has come in and just shown us a deeper love or a different kind of a love. Do you see what he says that at the same time in verse 8? It is a new commandment, which I'm writing you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. That that in this world that God created to reveal his love so that you would experience his love, boy, the darkness just came in and took it over. That when Adam and Eve sinned, there was just darkness that replaced the light that God intended. And so it seems like the first human act outside of the garden is Cain killing his brother. And so you have the opposite of what love was supposed to be and what light was supposed to be. But John says now, with the coming of Jesus and, and with the opportunity to know God and to be transformed by him, there's a light that's coming and the darkness is disappearing. And it, it seems like John is looking ahead to this day and this place where we will live in total light and, and we will experience love the way God intended us to experience love and we will love people the way that we were wired and intended to love people, that day is coming. And when John says it's already breaking in now, that, that the light is enabling us to experience and to, to live this new, this new love. Funny, he's going to use the word darkness five times in these verses just to characterize this is where we're living. But God's light, his love has penetrated that and is dispelling it for, for us as followers of his, of his. The law was supposed to show his love. The law was supposed to be love-driven, love God, love your neighbor. But somehow, and you see this in the Gospels when you're reading it, somehow the law became, I'm, I'm more spiritual than you are. Don't you see that? The Pharisees say, you know, why don't your disciples wash their hands? We wash our hands. We're clean. We're cleaner than your disciples. We follow the law. See, the law has made us better than them. And you watch the Gospels. That's constantly what the law has become. I'm more godly than you are, and I can prove it from the Scriptures, which is totally not at all what God wanted the, the law to be, to be about. The darkness has come into so many of our journeys, and we have been used in the name of love. Or too many of your journeys, you've been abused in the name of love. Or you've been disappointed in the name of love, and that's affected how, you're gonna, how you relate going forward, or, or whether you relate going forward. So John's very aware there's a darkness that comes in, that, that love is evaporated into this emotion. And, and I love you if I'm feeling it. And we talk often in terms like that, I'm just not feeling it. Instead of that, or I've heard people talk to me and say, we just fell out of love. No, you didn't fall out of love. You just stopped working. You just stopped doing the things that love does. 
Because if you stop acting in love, you're going to stop feeling in love. And so we've allowed it, and, and I think that's one of the things that drives John is he's watching the darkness of what life is like penetrate into the church and into the followers of Jesus and said, no, 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 this isn't, this isn't what love does to us. One of the things we're going to make sure we hear is, we don't hear as we go through John is John is not telling us, listen, you better be more loving. If you're going to say you're a Christian, you better be more loving. He's going to point out, no, 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 this is what Jesus does to us if he's in there. There's a love that is broken through the darkness and is changing us. That's, that's what he sees as this new love that the light makes possible into us, that in him the darkness is fading. He's giving us a, a foretaste of this place that's coming where we'll live forever in, in this perfection, where we'll live the way we, we should. We'll see, we see it in, in Jesus' life, so we get a model of it, that, that his light shines in every believer and brings this new love. Do you see, Do you see how he says this? In the middle of verse 8, he says, It's true in him and in you. It's in you. I mean, we know that's such a theme of Paul's letters, Christ in you, and the reality of Christ being in you, and you just allowing the life of Christ to take over you. This is John's brand of that, that, that you are in him, and he is in you, and there's this light that's come into you, and there's this love that's come in and taken hold of you. It takes, it's come into you, and it's transforming you, and it's taking all of that selfishness that makes us unloving and unlovable, and it's changing that. And it's changing that into a burden for other people and into a willingness to love other people and into an element of self-denial, all those things that make any loving relationship work, that his love comes in and it brings light and it gets rid of the darkness of selfishness. Or for so many of our stories, it's getting rid of uh, of the darkness of fear because fear will keep you from loving other people or allowing other people to love you. I mean, aren't we going to meet that verse later on? The perfect love casts out fear. This new, this new commandment, this new light, this new love that's come to us, it begins to change all of that. It just penetrates and it changes. It's a new love. And then he goes on, he goes on and he tells us that really that, that, um, that love defines us. Jesus prayed about that. He, 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 he was pretty straight about that, that this is how people will know you're his followers if you love each other. This is, and John picks up on that. All these things that John heard, all these things that he saw, he's just making sure those things continue. If he's near the end of his life, he wants to make sure what's real is what continues forward. Because every movement kind of loses steam or it gets away from its, its core values, it, it naturally happens unless something pulls it back. So here's John pulling it back to how it should be. That what should define us as followers of Jesus? Our love for him and our love for each other. I mean, that ought to be, be what, what draws us into this. They say this word agape that you, you're so familiar with is the word for love that's used so much in, in the New Testament. It's used to describe God's love for us. I remember reading one time that that really was a pretty obscure word. They just felt like there was no word for love being used in the New Testament era that really characterizes God's love. And so they took that word and they built on it. So it became this this higher love that no one had experienced before. I remember reading one person's definition of it is that agape love, it sees someone as incredibly valuable. 
and if so valuable and so important to you uh, that you're able to see the gold that's inside of them. You're able to see their value and you're able to see their potential and you're able to see their woundedness. You're able to see all of that because, you, you know, you step into that. And then agape love, it commits itself into bringing that, the value and, and what you see in that person. It commits itself to bringing that gold out. So, you know, so you love someone and you marry them. You love them because you see the value in them. You see who they are and you value that. If you get into a selfish marriage, it's because you see what they can do for you. If you get into marriage with God's biblical agape love, it's because you just see this person. They are so valuable. You, you're compatible, all of those things. But you just see this is someone that I, could bring, I can bring the best of them, best of them out. And I'm going to spend my life doing that. That's agape love. Now you bring that into the church where people can see the value of you. Now you have to, you have to let down a wall. You have to let the guard down for people to see that. They see your value. And, and they commit themselves to helping bring that out. That's what the church is supposed to be. And that's what John experienced in, in the early days. J Jesus picks that up because in, in his day, the rabbis felt like God is not interested in sinners. He doesn't love them. The Jewish rabbis of Jesus' day, somebody wrote this. One of the rabbis wrote that really Gentiles, God created Gentiles just to be the kindling to the fire of hell. Well, that'll be, you know, hey, welcome to the synagogue, you Gentiles. We're glad you're here. We want to make sure there's a good flame going. Imagine that. That's, that was their mentality. Can, so can you understand how blown, why they were so blown away by Jesus and why he would touch people and why they kept telling people, why do you hang around with sinners? Because we know God doesn't care about them, so why do you? It, how he comes in and he just redefines who God is interested in. John, John 3.16 says God loved the world, so he gave. Because agape love is not about you. It's not about you. And we all get into places where I'm sick of giving all the time and giving and giving and not receiving. And there's, some, there's something valid in that. Sometimes you need to check your marriage or your relationship or your friendship or whatever that is. There's something valid in there. I can tell you after a lot of years, there's a lot of people that just, they're sick of giving and giving, but they're really not giving so much as they think. And they're saving way more than they think. So this agape love, it's not about you. Even if your spouse never gives you anything back, in the course of this, you are experiencing the love of God. If that can become real to you. That, that I'm gonna, Jesus, I'm doing this for your sake. I, you know, I am, I'm continuing to pour out love that you are giving me into this person. And whether or not they ever respond to me, respond back to me i'm going to keep doing that because i know you're going to continue to pour your love into me so i'll be okay that just totally blows the world's mind of how this is supposed to work in the world's mind this is more of a deal that as long as i'm getting i'll continue to give and as long as that cycle goes but that's not how it always works sometimes god is calling us just to die to ourselves and continue to continue to serve him I think I said recently, I mean, I love you. I really do. 
But I remember early in ministry, just getting into the reality of ministry, coming out of school and thinking, this is going to be such a wonderful life. We're all going to love each other. We're all going to get along. And then you just run into church reality. You know, if you're near in church, I'm sorry, it's coming. Uh, it's like Pastor Ted said, he tipped you off. But I remember thinking at one point, God, wow, I can see why you say in Scripture to do this is unto you. Because people really aren't worth it. You know, in the sense that they'll let you down or they just want you to the blind side, you're whatever that is. But you keep doing it as unto the Lord and you will receive, you'll receive what you need to receive in the midst of it. And that's what John is trying to convey to us. So it's not all about, it's not all about us. Jesus models that. I, I love how John 13, night before he dies, says, now the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew this is his last hour to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And then it tells you that he washed the disciples' feet. If there was ever a moment where he needed to be loved, it was that moment. But he served them. He said, do you under, at the end of that, he's going to say, do you understand what I've done for you? You need to do this for other people. He loved them to the end. It wasn't about him. It, it was about serving others. That became such a trademark of the early church. This church father, Tertullian, who lives you know, about mid-second mid century, he says, He's writing and he says, it's mainly the deeds of a love so noble that lead many to put a brand on us. That they look at the love of the early church and they just brand them that that's what they're about. He writes, see, they say how they love one another for they themselves are animated by mutual hatred. Does that describe our current culture and moment? They're animated by a mutual hatred. People either agree with you or they are the enemy in this culture. You see it pervasive. It's, not, it's in politics, but it's everywhere. But that stood out because they would look at the Christians and say, wow, look at how they love each other. He goes on, he says, how, they say how they are ready even to die for one another, where they themselves would sooner put to death. They would rather kill somebody and die for someone. But they look at the early church and they say, well, these people are willing to put their life on the line for each other. It was just a characteristic of the early church that, that defines the believers. It's, it's not so much now. Do you see in these verses, you have hate three times, but you only have love one time. So John is trying to, he's trying to stop this, this slide or this flood away from what love was supposed to be. We, you know, nobody in this room is sitting here convicted that, oh, I feel so bad. I hate people. I do. I hate them and I hate them. Nobody's sitting here doing that. But haters, what do they do? They label people. You know, boy, that person, they're such a loser. Or what are the Christian words we would use for that? They just so inconsistent. They're so, the haters label people. Or haters distance themselves from people. You know, they avoid. Uh, they, you, can, you can hate people or be a hater for so many different reasons. Or they, they avoid. The, or haters will minimize people. Well, I know this is going in your life, but that's not really a big deal. You just minimize what others are going through. You know, someone that, in a love-committed relationship, you want to find out where you think, you see the value in another person, you see that value being hurt or challenged, you see someone going through a rough time, you want to know what that is and you want to know how you can help and minister in that. 
You don't avoid, you don't label, you don't minimize, you don't excuse. You don't excuse yourself, you don't excuse, you don't excuse them. You don't respond because you've been hurt one way or the other. You don't, you don't do that. John says there's a love that has come to define us. You know, whoever loves his brother abides in the light. I mean, abide is going to become a key word in John. That you're just, you are connected to Jesus and his love is flowing through you. You are walking in the light. And so it's interesting. It doesn't say we, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with him. It says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other because we're connected to him and his heart is, fl- is flowing through us. So he uses this word brother all through this. You're going to see it these three times in verse 10, whoever loves his brother, verse 11, who hates his brother, back in verse 9, whoever hates his brother, this brother, he's going to use this word that connects us so deeply. I never really heard that much up here. When I went, when I went to, to a school in Dallas, down south, brother, sister, that's, that's big. Everybody's brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, and it's just tradition. John is speaking to this deep connection we have, that whatever relationship you had, God has taken you and he's taken me and he's put us in this relationship of brother and sister in the family of God where we have a closer connection than any other relationship you'll have with people. And so that's why John is saying, so if you, if you say you have this connectedness to people that Jesus loves and his love is flowing through you, but you're living in hate, then there's a breakdown somewhere and you're probably not a follower. He's not saying if you, you know, somebody ticks you off and you're really mad or whatever. Some people think that. No, he's not saying that. But he's saying if there's just a, a void of loving people, while you're talking about being connected to the God of love, there's a breakdown somewhere. And so that, that word that he uses on purpose, it shows there's no light and, and that it's not real because this is what light does. This is what love does. It transforms us. That followers, followers of Jesus, they've had a deep in a healing and a transforming encounter with the love of God. If you have allowed the love of God to penetrate, just as his follower, that's the reality. You've had an encounter with what real love is. Whether you've never experienced loving your journey up to him or whether the love of God affirmed the loving relationship you had, either way, you've had a deep encounter with the love. You've had a healing encounter with love because the love of God can heal so many of our wounds. Who, those of us who've been unloved or rejected by love or whatever abuse of love we've experienced, his love has a healing power and then has this transforming because that's what John is looking for. Love transforms. So if it's not doing that, then you got a question, are you really a follower? He is not telling us, so work harder at loving people. Man, you can work at loving people and you're going to give up and, and then more than likely going to resent people. See, this guy, was an, this guy was a jerk. I knew it. I knew I shouldn't have done this. I knew he'd take advantage of me. I'm not doing that again. That is not where abiding will lead you. Here, here you go. So I want to take a second because I was thinking, why is it that, that love like that, it really is so rare? You know, why is it that, that really the things we do are kind of minimal? We do a convenient love, not really a costly love. Or why is it that we love in clusters? We find the five or six or maybe seven or eight or nine people that we really are interested in and we love them and we're not so much worried beyond that. Because I can tell you, every Sunday, I watch people walk out of here 
without anyone tagging them, without anyone, you know, stopping them to say hello, whatever. And I watch all the familiar clusters greet each other. That's not what John's talking about. John's talking about a, a love that has transformed us to look for others, to look for who is it that needs to experience God's love. People experience God's love in pretty, pretty easy ways. Being noticed and being spoken to and being interested in in a two-minute conversation after church, that is much more powerful than we realize because we're so used to it. So what gets in the way of, what gets in the way of that? So I, was, so I was looking at this, that if this is who we are, if we've been transformed by the, by the love of Jesus and, and he's, he's changed us and then darkness comes in the world, takes, takes care of that, what happens to us that we, don't, that we don't see people? Because our eyes are blinded and we're preoccupied with what's going on in our life or what we need to see or what we want to see or what we're afraid to see or, or our ears become deaf and we're not hearing what people say. I mean, that's, that's such a huge skill to just pick up on what people are saying or what they're not saying or, or not asking that, you know, the probing question that needs, that needs to be asked or because we have limp hands that we have this conversation and we feel terrible, but we don't do anything. We don't do anything to help meet that need or to follow up on that. We don't do that. Or, or we have crippled feet that we should go to someone but we don't. And sometimes that's because there's just wounds that we have that we're just living out of our wound. And so it's keeping us a safe distance from people because I've done that and I've been misunderstood or I've been, you know, criticized. And so I am not doing that again. Where Jesus was constantly criticized, he was constantly rejected and he just kept constantly loving because he knew the Father loved him. And as long as he knew the Father loved him, he was secure enough. So we're called, to this, we're called to this love, and we're called to experience this love. And as a follower of Jesus, we're called to continue to pass it on so that people will know that it's real and, and that it's true. The passage, it calls, us to, for, uh, it calls us to have a willingness to love people. It also calls us to a willingness to be loved by people. Those of you who just keep people safely away, you need to hear that. And some of us have done that for a long, long time. You know, we've kept people away, safely away, so that we're not hurt again, we're not disappointed again, we're not misunderstood again, we're not all those words we can put in there. But you're not going to experience love like, like you're supposed to, and we're not going to experience and replicate love like we're supposed to if that happens. I want, to, I want to pick up those of you who are live streaming for a moment because some of you are staying home live streaming for this very reason. Because it's safer at home. Hey, it's certainly more convenient. It's more comfortable. And I hope you're enjoying your coffee. <laughs> but it's safer. And it's far from love. And we've all said that. I mean, whenever we have had to go live stream and not had in-room in service, we all feel that. It's just, it is not at all the same. And we're so thankful that we can offer the live stream. We're so thankful for the, for the guys that put so much time into figuring that out. We appreciate that. But it's not the same as being here. And some of you are choosing to be home when you need to be here. We want you to be safe. We want you to be healthy. But for some of you, it's time to be here. We, you know, 
uh, it kills us not to be able to things, offer things for children and we can't wait till we're able to again. But I would challenge you that one of you parents should come. And I would challenge those of you that just got used to being home to come back and to be in the room with us so that, yeah, we can just experience your love or you can experience our love. Why don't you be in tune with this after service? With Who is it God would grab, you know, who is it you'd notice? Who is it you need to hear? Who is it you need to pray for? Who is it you need to follow up with? And who is that person? I want to take a couple minutes. And just as I think I put in the email on Friday, I guess I didn't put it to the worship team. I want to do open mic. But those of, there's some of you who come to open mic as soon as we have it. And I want you to just to hold back. So we want to open the mic and give you a minute or two and that's always a joke, isn't it? Oh, I'm going to hold you to that because we want to give Peter. I want you just to come up and, and share either a person's name that you saw the love of God in or just a moment where you experienced God's love through somebody serving you. Let's just do that and honor, let's honor God that, hey, here's where it happened. And it will just, I think we'll see it stir up in us just that desire and that commitment to be that kind of church where where the love of God is just on the loose and it's changing us and, and it's using us. So, so, so I've got the, the mic is on uh, and it's here. We would love, those of you who are newer to, our, to the church family, you're part of our family, we would love you to use this so we get a moment to get to know you a little better. So just a person that when you think of them, you think that's a person that modeled the love of God or just a moment in your journey where you experience God's love. And tell us what that looked like. So. Hey, and the way the Holy Spirit works, he might put somebody's name on my heart and I, I'll call you out. So, yeah. <laughs> so, just saying. Yeah. And I don't mind if we get a line. So if you're if you're pr- prompted to come, go ahead and come. And uh, before I became a Christian, um, it's kind of a process. I won't go into it, but I met a gentleman named Ralph Hewitt, mm. who blew me away with his love for everybody around him, and then what he showed to me. It was absolutely amazing. And when he was talking about the Lord, I knew he knew the Lord, mm. and the Lord was with him. And, it, and he changed my life. He's probably the pivotal person that I met, that I saw God in. And, uh, yeah, I became a Christian. Amen, yeah. My twin sister, Lori Hernowitz, who blessed me with a trip to Nepal a year and a half ago Mm. to visit my daughter. Go ahead, Nate. Come on up and just, yeah, we'll just create a line, yeah. It's not... um, people but actually horses i Mm. found god's love in because horses are a lot like us where we want to gain their trust and we want to like get closer to them and create a bond just like god wants to do with us Mm. 
Yeah. Hey, God's not above using anything to convey his love. So, yeah, appreciate that, yeah. There's a, a guy named uh, Aloja Irwelli, who you may remember from a long time ago. He actually came and spoke at this church a long time ago. But uh, when I was a college student, he took me under his wing and uh, mentored me, discipled me, trained me, just uh, really opened his home, opened his heart, and uh, was a huge part of my growth as a Christian and really just poured out God's love to me. Hmm. Hey, Roy, even just to see you walking better, man, that is such a, such a blessing, yeah. I experienced God's love it about a month before Christmas when I couldn't get out. I couldn't take and look for a special present for my wife. And I called upon two different families. One, of course, got COVID-19, couldn't do it for me. The other one, I gave my debit card to and told them how much I'd like to spend. And they got a bargain for me, and I was able to get diamond rings for my wife, because she had had some years ago that I got her, and she lost one. And I really felt, because she was so, she's been so special to me. And getting through all this I've had to go through, and I also thank everybody for the prayers that I've been receiving. You know, people have prayed for me. And I, that was my special, special blessing. And, and yes, I am getting better. Mm, amen. Praise God. Yeah. It's been a long haul. It has been a long haul, brother. A lot yeah. happened. Yeah. Thank but you. you're still you, Roy. I mean, we're so thankful you're still you. Yeah. Yeah. My family didn't know Christ. Um, so there was a neighbor that lived next door to us. There's one other person in this room that knows who he was. His name was Joe Dugroni. And he didn't just talk about God. He lived it. You could see he just bubbled up with love the way he was. And I saw that in him, and I wanted to know what he had. I was a little young then, and I didn't get it right away, but I'll never forget him. I mean, Jeanette, everybody in the room wants to say you. Everybody in the room wants to say you, that you, you exude the love of Jesus to us. Yeah. Love, love in action in my life since I was this high. Whatever church I went in, somebody noticed me and put their love in my heart that Jesus gave all of us. Hmm. And I see it in this church as I did as a little child and as a teenager and all through life. And I just praise God for his love. Without love, we are lost yeah. in the darkness. Mm -hmm. So let's give it all to others. 
as we keep it in our own heart. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shane, you lean forward like that. I think you're coming up here. You know? Hey, wow. So, so I see the loving God, and every time I come here, um, and a lot of you people that come up and talk to me through conversations, uh, people who invite me here, um, it's a blessing. Thank you. Hey, thank you, man. Good. Go ahead, Sophie. Go ahead, Amber. Oh, I'm so grateful. Um, I, too, since I was a little girl, saw the love of God in every church that I went to. There was always at least one person that just came up to me, and I was like, yes, that's you. <laughs> um, but I was telling Shane this morning, I, I bought a, a book, and back in about 2000, 2008, I was saved in 1988 as a five-year-old girl. And then in 2008 was when I read something from Joyce Meyer in the Enjoying Everyday Life Bible, the Amplified Version, and part of her commentary just like showed me something like, I don't know, Jesus just became alive. Like I received him, you know, thir almost 30 years before that. And um, it was just amazing. Like it was in Ephesians and it was talking about how God loves us no matter what we've done. Like he loved us as he was creating us in, in the womb, you know, and that just opened my eyes. And also the first person that actually came to my mind is somebody that I led to Jesus Christ. It hmm. was, um, she's now, she's grandma of my children and she's taking care of them when I haven't been healthy enough to do so. And now I'm ready and able, so sometime you're going to see them. <laughs> um, and there was one other one. I was, couldn't rem I can't remember right this minute, but um, thank you for being here. Hey, thank you for being here, Amber. Yeah. I had a um, college roommate. Her name was Julie Sheftick, and uh, she just always took the time after class. She was, like, really busy in her like biblical studies, we went to school at a Bible college, and she was just so consistent and just constantly wanting to learn more, even after we just spent a whole day in class. And she'd come home, or come home, she'd come back to the dorm, and she would just get right in her seat, like ready to, you know, tackle whatever the assignment was. But before that, she'd sit down, and she'd turn to me, and our, our desks are across from each other, and she'd just say, so how you doing? And she would just ask me and every day, like consistently, how I was doing. And she genuinely meant it, and she'd take the time, and she just constantly showed me the love of God every day. Mm. Um, and and I, I am and I was a believer then, and so I knew what the love of God looked like. And, yeah. uh, you know, so she wasn't introducing me to Christ per se, but she just met me every day um, just with, like, open arms. And she just continued to love me and just what I felt like she just gives me a good example of, um, who Jesus is, and that he just, he's just asking me, how you doing? And, and he just wants communication and communion with me. And so I just love that about her, and yeah. she's so special to me. So, Yeah. Um, this church in general has been there for me since day one, since I was this high. And in every season, in every, there was at least somebody here that, you know, helped me and helped me grow. And if it wasn't for you guys, I don't know where I would be, honestly, because you guys helped me so much. 
you know, I was scared when I was about to go to college because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know any of the steps and everybody here at least, you know, helped me one way or another. I seen people come and go and, but, and stuff happens, but through every season and every, you know, you guys were just here for me and my family, and I thank you guys so much. And I don't think I really, you know, like, say it as much as I want to, but I appreciate every single one of you, even the people that I don't know. I appreciate you guys because we are a family at the end of the day, no matter our differences. And just thank you. Yeah. Good. Thanks, Julia. Yeah. yeah. Good. Go ahead. What's that? Well, I don't know. Hey, I was thinking we are family. I mean, families annoy each other at times. I mean, we're, it's real, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I was saved at uh, 16 or 15, somewhere in there, years old. And uh, the, the, the young men I went to youth group with, they just poured into me. They taught mm -hmm. me the word. Um, they, they taught me, like, all kinds of Bible stories I never knew before. Um, so, you know, that's Nathan and uh, Todd Crevier and my friend Matt, who mm -hmm. I've been friends with for now 30 years, and um, my in-laws have been beautiful. My whole, as long as we've been married, um, Kevin Giles, he's always been there. Um, there's uh, Bruce, Bruce, you've been an example to us for years, and the other Bruce, man, you've your heart's always on your sleeve. Um, it's lovely to see. Um, just the love of God's been always, always around. It's just, mm. you, know, you can look anywhere. Dan, Dan's always so welcoming and, and open to us. And, and you know, just, it's, it's a really nice to have, so. It is nice to have, yeah, yeah, so. Hey, so Chris Bratton, just open the door a minute. Because I see him, I see you pacing out there, and I, I know you, hey, no, really, because, we're doing this, and I'm watching you go back and forth across the doors, and it just kind of struck me that, that when you cook for us, you are telling us how much you love us. It really struck me. Like, that clam chowder yesterday was unreal. Thank you. But really, that's, you know, people express that in different ways. So I just wanted to appreciate you for that, just that, yeah. Can't wait till you start cooking again weekly. Yeah. 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 Good. Anybody else? Good. Are you Judy? Come on up, Iris. Also, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> prayer warriors. Um, Pastor Jeff was talking about someone this morning who has disappeared. But we can sit, uh, stand here, or sit here in Massachusetts and fire a prayer to God across the world. Yeah. And it gets there <clears throat> faster than you can blink your eye. So, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who are prayer warriors and solid mm. in the faith that pray for strangers, and we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So, uh, I'm thankful for all the prayer warriors throughout the history of my walk with Christ for the better part of 30 years that yeah. have always prayed for me. Yeah. You know, some know me and some don't. And no matter the terrible sins that I've committed, they still hugged me and told me they loved me and uh, prayed for me without ceasing. Apostle Paul talks about that in every single one of his letters. Pray without ceasing. 
Amen, brother. Yeah. Hi. Um, I've been a believer since I was 29 years old, and I had so many people in my life. Um, being a, a woman that was like just into everything, you know. Um, don't want to get into details, but anyway, when I backslid it, I used to always see Pastor Shabelli out in the street, and he would always talk to me, always with a big smile, and I would always be excited to see him because I knew he was a brother in the Lord, you know. And then there was a time in my life that I was going through, and I, my spirit was just telling me I needed to come back home. And I called the church, and I left a message. And um, Pastor Jeff called, and I was taken back by the sound of his voice. And it was so comforting and so warm because I was like, wow, you know, I never heard a man speak to me that way. So it meant a lot to me because I was like, that's truly a man of God to speak so soft, soft-spoken, something I've never had all my life. And another person that I, I want to thank is talking about Chris Breton. When I was sick with the COVID, he came to my house every day and brought dinner for me and my family. And that was like his love in itself. And not only just dinner, but he done shopping for me. And I offered to, you know, give him the money for it, and, and he refused to take it. You know, Chris, thank you. I love you. I love my family here at God Chill. And I love the ones from Glorious Gospel. We go way, way, way back. back. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, we are a family. Um, you know, I'm not easy to love. <laughs> I know that. I can be difficult, you know, but I just love everybody here. You know, and I appreciate everyone that put their time in my children, put their time in me. I appreciate those that put me in my place when I needed to be, you know. Um, just thank you, you know. Thank you, I'm Chill. Thank you for those that are home. I just love you guys, and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Hey, praise the Lord, Iris. Yeah, yeah. Kevin's coming up. I'm going to wrap up with Kevin. Hey, if you're on the live stream, I hope you're putting the name of people who evidence God's love to you or putting a little paragraph about how that played out. Yeah. And I want to start off with, um, first of all, the men of, Cottage Hill, but going all the way back to um, Glorious Gospel. Well, we should do all the retreats. Um, Holly welcomed me in. Pastor Ted, when he stopped me from leaving and, and said, um, Kevin, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, back to you, Bill. The um, Alvarez family, um, Ponch, his family, Nate. But the biggest one of all, who loves who I've seen that ultimate love in is Gary. Hmm. When I seen the love that Gary had for him out of his circumstances and all, and how he used to chew me out all the time, um, good chew, you, you know. To the glory of God. Yeah, for yeah. the glory of God, man. He stayed on me, man. I, was, I had to put everything in perspective my way. But the love to see that Gary had for the Lord, that did it. That did it for me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's an important piece of church love, isn't it? The ability to call each other out and to love somebody enough to say the hard thing and not just the, 
the compliment or the easy thing. It's something we need to pick up as, as the men uh, that I think Iris pointed out. She said, I've had a man talk to me that way, that you know, God is bringing in broken people to our church. He's bringing in women who have not been treated well by men. So one of the ways that as, as brothers we can show the love of Jesus is just to really treat our sisters with honor and with respect, is that, they, that the world isn't doing so much with them. You know, I think for me, it's the person in, in my life at, at a critical moment who was, he was the max in my life. He was our youth leader. He and his wife led our youth group. And I got in a fight with my brother while I was driving my mom's car and drove off the road over a stone wall and punctured the radiator, transmission, and gas tank. The horn is going off in the car, and I am just panicked. And uh, my youth leader just happened to drive up the road. Like in the, and he comes, and I am just shaking, <laughs> just saying, my mother is going to kill me. And I just kept saying that. And he just hugged me and just you know, told me how much he loved me, and that my mother was not going to kill me. Just in that moment, just that was so settling for me and just conveyed, you know, here's this man and I'd just done an idiot thing. I wasn't, you know, we were at our church. Our church had a camp and a pool. We were there. I was supposed to go straight home. I gave somebody a ride home. My brother's giving me a hard time, so I turned around to yell at him and he pushed the seat and I stepped on the gas. I thought I was stepping on the brake. Funny how those pedals look alike. But just have somebody in a crisis moment just hold you and say it's okay. And that's kind of what we're doing with each other. It's kind of what we're doing with each other. So why don't we just stand together? We'll just stand and be dismissed to do that. Remember when Paul meets the Ephesian elders and he says he's not going to see them again. It says, so he, he commended them to the grace of God. Now this morning we're commending ourselves to the love of God and just to be carriers of his love to those who are unsaved. So... We're going to pray and be finished, and we'll just have the worship team sing over us, kind of as you as you go. You're going to talk about, you know, the uh, it's the Michael W. Smith song. What is it? May the King of My Heart. Nope, not that. Because <laughs> I'm thinking this is a good one for us to sing with. Yeah, surrounded. I love that song, don't you? It may look like I'm surrounded. I'm not. So, Lord, thank you that we have experienced your love. We just want to look at those on the live stream or who are in the room who are just investigating you, Jesus, to see if you're real or how, whether you matter or whether they want to trust you as their Savior and follow you as their Lord. We, we pray that they would experience your love in this room and in this service and through us. And God, we want to experience your love more deeply. So Pastor Ted was saying, just to move into your grace more deeply, to move into your love more deeply. But we want that to be channeled out through us. I just want to pray healing over those for whom love is a painful word or even church family has pain involved to it, God, that's caused them to draw back. I want to pray over those on the live stream who, who are on live stream on purpose because it's safer or because they're, they're hurt by the church and they don't feel like they're cared for enough, that you would just penetrate all of that with your love and that, that what happens in, these, in the next half hour in this room or out in the cafe, God, just pleases you because you see it was so deep. You put on John's heart and you put in your forever book that we're stepping into that and we're loving each other. So help us to hear and to see and to know how it is you want us to respond to your glory. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.